This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. Investigative conversations about issues that impact our lives. Be curious. Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. And good morning to you all. And this is indeed Brooke Spector. And we are alive. And this is the Deep Dive and we're going to try a different experiment today. We're going to just have one guest, and we're going to dive pretty deeply, I hope, into ideas and thoughts and contemplations and reflections. And our guest, of course, is Vincent Sparrow, who's the Consul General of the United States in Johannesburg. But we'll get to that in a minute. But before I do, let me just pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that in the last several days, uh, Johannesburg and South Africa generally have become the poorer because of the loss of three very important people in, in South Africa's cultural and intellectual and uh, communications life. And of course, this is Marilyn Martin, who for many years headed up the South African National Gallery in Cape Town, numerous scholarly books and papers on South African art, and was a serious presence among uh, art scholars in this country. And then there was Jamie Bartlett, the actor. Many people saw him on television. Others saw him on stage where he had this extraordinary range of emotional projection, I guess you would call it. You felt like you were in the presence of a tsunami of, of, of emotion and ideas and thoughts. And Jamie will be missed on stage in this country as well. And then, of course, there was John Burks. John Burks was on radio here for a very long time. And he, more than anybody else in the country, was responsible for the transition, the transition between the old style of radio with their plumy accents and, and their uh, giving you information that was propaganda cleverly disguised as news broadcasts to the much more open talk radio format. And John had the morning show for years on a commercial station, 702, in which he animated the universe with characters he made up uh, with his inimitable pranks that he, he would call really important people. He called Pic Boto once and pretended to be Peter and Lovu from Dobsonville and Soweto, inviting Pic to come to his meeting of the ANC youth group for 100 people and for Pic to cook poikikos. And Pic Bota was not aware that it was John Burks. And he started to give his recipe for making this. And at the end of it, at the end of the broadcast, when, when John Burks revealed himself, you could hear Pic Bota swearing on the radio, something that really didn't happen very often in this country. <laughs> Uh, because he was very good at accents, John was. He once, he once also called up Saul Kersner, the hotel magnet, uh, and pretended to be Ronald Reagan. And if you didn't know better, you could be convinced it was true. He even had that little hesitation in Reagan's voice. But John Burks passed away the other day. And if you want to read more about him and reflections by colleagues and friends, you can look at a piece I did for this, uh, for this morning's Daily Maverick, a little bit of shameless self-promotion there. Anyway, John Burks, Marilyn Martin, Jamie Bartlett, uh, we'll miss you all. Today's guest is Vincent Spera, who is the incumbent 
American Consul General in Johannesburg. He's been here almost a year. He's had an important and distinguished career even overseas and in Washington both. That's the way of American diplomats, sometimes abroad in various countries, sometimes back at the mothership. And most recently, he came out of, if my memory of the acronyms is correct, the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor. Uh, wave to me if that's correct. <laughs> and in, in other posts around the world, he'd served in places as distant and different as Mongolia and I believe Tanzania. So he was not a stranger to Africa, but not to South Africa per se. He's now in Johannesburg. It's a, I'm sure he'll agree, it's a lovely city with great weather. And if you're a golfer or a tennis player, uh, there's lots of space, time, and circumstances for it. Sometimes you can think it's almost a shame to have to go to work as well. It'd be a great place just to have a vacation for a few years. But Vincent, thank you very much for agreeing to, to speak with us today. I, I, listeners, I think, have a vague idea of what a diplomat does, but they probably, too many of them, have some idea of you wearing formal clothing, you know, white tie and tails maybe, or tuxedo, spending your time at, at uh, official functions where the food is elaborate and the talk is either very interesting or very boring. But that's what you do. But it isn't really, is it? Um, what is it that you do? Exactly. Explain, if you don't mind, explain what a diplomat does uh, so that people who are listening will go, ah, I get this now. I understand. Thank you, Brooks. Really, really pleased to, to be here this morning and, and a chance to talk with you. And, and, and hopefully your listeners will find this interesting. I, I think there's a lot to discuss about the U.S.-South Africa relationship and and especially from, from the perch I sit here in Johannesburg, getting to work at the more provincial and, and community level. So, so really thank you for the, for the invitation. To, to get to your question, what we do as diplomats, uh, you know, I, I certainly get this question a lot from, from my friends uh, back home in the United States, uh, from New Jersey, not, not really part of the DC crowd. So I, uh, the, the way I describe this, I think in, in the, the kind of layman's terms is, we really try to be the two-way translators between our countries. So the United States, of course, has its, its uh, policy interests and, and commitments, and whether that be economic issues or security issues or governance issues. But then, of course, the, the countries around the world have their own priorities, and often those priorities align quite nicely. And many of those policies align extremely well here uh, in South Africa with the United States. But then we also have differences. So, so a big part of what we do is First and foremost, since I'm, you know, we sit in a foreign country, we're explaining U.S. positions and approaches and, and views uh, to our counterparts. But then we also have an important role in explaining back to Washington, to the mothership, as, as you referenced, explaining to Washington the views and perspectives of that host country on not just U.S. policy, their reactions to U.S. policy, but also the priorities of that country. So that's sort of the main job, explaining explaining the, the, the priorities and the goals in both directions. But we do that in any number of ways. There's plenty of official engagements, working directly with the government at the national, provincial, and local level. But an enormous amount of what we do is at the, at the community level, working with the education sector, working with health clinics, working with cultural organizations. And I'm happy to, to deep dive into any of this as we go on this morning, but it's it's, it's really anything and everything that deals with connecting South Africans to Americans. 
There was a study that was done by the RAND Corporation, and I, I just read it last night, in fact, just saw a copy of it, that said American citizens tend to be favorably uh, disposed toward diplomats and diplomacy, but they're not actually sure they understand what diplomats do abroad, other than arranging for visas or dealing with Americans who get arrested for traffic infringements, infringements or something more serious, or uh, issuing new passports for, for citizens whose passports have run out. And they seem to have a very small or fuzzy idea of diplomats as uh, handmaidens to trade and investment and economic opportunities. Could, perhaps you can, you, you can open that door a little bit for us because I know in your office in Santon, you've got a fair number of people who do the, just that kind of thing. Yeah, no, th th thanks for that, Brooke. And may maybe the best way to, 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 to dig into this is to talk a little bit more about what we're doing here at the consulate. We have our embassy in Pretoria uh, and they're managing the overall relationship. And then we have our consulates. We're here in Johannesburg and we have consulates also in, in Cape Town and Durban. Um, so here, here in Johannesburg, we, we have various teams that focus on, on specific issue areas. So we, we have a large economic team, uh, as you mentioned, that's obviously a priority for the United States, promoting economic growth and, and development, but also importantly, creating jobs in both the United States and in South Africa. So we are working on a daily basis to understand the, the priorities of the Houteng government, and I also cover Northwestern Free State, and trying to create connections with U.S. private sector who want to invest here in South Africa to promote development and, and create those jobs that are, are so important to the, to the population here. Um, I'm going to... We're going, to, we're going to pause on this for just a minute. I have important messages I must read. Otherwise, I will be in serious trouble. This is Brooke Spector with The Deep Dive, and we're speaking today with Vincent Sparrow, who's the American Consul General in Johannesburg. This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And we are indeed back with the deep dive, and I'm speaking this morning with Vincent Spera, who is the American Consul General in Johannesburg. We were talking about business and economic relations, and that, you, that uh, the Consulate General in, in Johannesburg has uh, a series, a number of people dedicated toward dealing with economic and commercial uh, issues. Johannesburg's the economic and commercial capital, so I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. But supposing I'm a businessman or woman. And I've come up with a really good idea, and I want to build a relationship with an American counterpart, or I want to export to the United States, and I really don't quite know how to get this off the ground, but I know the product is going to work. I, who do I call? What do I do besides uh, hanging out at some club and asking my friends? Yeah, th thanks, Brooke. And I, it can be daunting. We, we have a, a number of agencies here which, which have different specialty areas. We have agencies that are focused on the, the early start of project development, doing things like the funding the feasibility of projects, all the way up to our Development Finance Corporation. So I, I would really, you know, it, it, it's an obvious suggestion, but on our website, za.usembassy.gov, 
there would be information about our different commercial agencies. And, and we would invite any of the business community that wants to connect with us to reach out to us in, in that way. Uh, in some cases, it's going to the, the first point of contact is going to be our Department of Commerce, which has a sizable office here. We also have another agency, part of the U.S. Agency for International Development, uh, an initiative called Prosper Africa. And they're really designed to be a facilitator to connect uh, local businesses and American businesses to potential partners in, in any number of sectors. So that, that would really be the, the first place to go to our website and uh, re reach out to us that way. Okay. Now, supposing I want to travel to the U.S., though, I've got my, I've begun to develop my business plan. I've got some financial support, and I've actually engaged with your commercial offices, and we've, we've got the beginnings of a, of a relationship going. But now I have to make a trip to Boise, Idaho, and Atlanta, and Dallas, and New York City. Now I have to get a visa, and that, that somehow the word on the street is that's uh, close to an impossibility. Yes, we are working through our, our visa processing backlog as, as the rest of the world was affected by COVID. Our, our visa processing was, was certainly affected by COVID as well. And because we were unable to facilitate travel in the same way that we have historically been able to do so, we now have a sizable backlog of visa applications. So it can take some time to get an appointment. My main comment on that is we are diligently working through that backlog and we're, we're back up to pre-pandemic processing levels. So we are processing again at, at a very steady clip uh, and applicants, uh, you know, they, they will log on and they will see that it'll be a, a long wait for the next available appointment. But I would let your listeners know that our consular section is paying attention to when capacity emerges. They are regularly uh, opening up new appointments as they become available. So Listeners should continue to log in and see if appointments have become available. But importantly, and many people are not aware of this, for people that have had a visa previously, if you have a if you have had a U.S. visa and it expired only within the last four years, so if it's expired less than forty eight months ago, there is an option to mail in for the renewal of a visa, uh, which is something we had not done for for quite a number of years. But we realized that was an important step to take. Uh, due to this backlog. So that is an option that not we, we want to make sure people are aware of and avail themselves of that. It's about a six to eight week turnaround to mail in a visa uh, and, and uh, assuming the continued eligibility, uh, have that passport with visa in it sent back to you. So those are some options available to the audience. I mean, that, that helps clarify because uh, as I say, I get I get phone calls from people and I haven't been in the diplomacy business for two decades. And I get phone calls from people who say, please help me. I, I can't get a visa. I'm due to be in New York in three days. And <laughs> all, I can, all I can do is sigh and tell them that they need to diligently check your website and look for vacancy appointments that open up because people cancel. They decide they're not going to travel or change their plans or whatever. And it, it often actually works out for them. But I, I mean... I, listeners should be aware of the fact that your visa staff is working hard to to try to deal with this as you say the backlog and then the the option of the mail-in application for previous visa holders and that's important Let, let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about policy I, I know you don't personally set American policy toward South Africa let alone the world but you and your staff have to that you have to deal with it and you have to interpret it and you have to 
usually explain it. South Africans and Americans, certainly at the government level, and um, I think from my own interactions with people often at the personal level, have a rather different view, respectively, over the conflict in Ukraine. America and much of the country seems full on in support of Ukraine's efforts to resist Russian in, a Russian invasion. South Africans seem to be taking a somewhat different view. They, they often seem to, to articulate the idea that uh, America is simply using Ukraine as a, as a cat's paw to uh, thwart the Russians, to make Russia's life more complicated. How would you answer that? Well, I, I think, Brooks, my, my first response to that is, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, when I think of South Africa's views, and as you said, been here for a year now, so have been here for the entirety of the, the conflict in Ukraine, I think it, it's clear to, to us and clear to me that just like in any vibrant democracy, there are a multitude of views here in South Africa on multiple sides of the issue. And as we would expect and embrace in, a, in a, a vibrant democracy like South Africa, there's a rich open debate on the subject. And so I, I think we have observed and that debate and, and participated in discussions with the South Africans. And uh, again, not, not, not surprised at all that there are a, a broad diversity of views on this subject, like, like just about any other subject here. Uh, how would you, but how do you counter the argument that I hear fairly frequently that it is uh, the American response to this invasion is simply a way of checking the Russian uh, legitimate aspirations, as I hear some people say to me. I don't agree with it, but uh, I, I do hear it and I listen carefully to these views. There are people who argue that uh, it's just the case of the United States trying to expand its sphere of influence eastward, threatening the integrity and even the sovereignty of, of, of Russia. I, I think our, our when it comes to this issue, we are facing a situation where Russia and President Putin made a decision to invade a sovereign country. Um, and we, we feel that that is an absolutely wrong act. And Ukraine, as a sovereign country, has a right to make its own decisions. And what Russia has done has, has not only violated uh, international law because of the sovereignty of Ukraine, it has now spurred this worldwide crisis of fuel prices and, and food prices, which could all be resolved very quickly if, if Russia were to make another decision moving forward. Let me, let me turn this a, a slightly different way. Uh, there was a time, I guess, when both of us were much younger, where an American diplomat or an American policymaker would, would say something and it would have enormous uh, echoes and reverberations around the world. Uh, it, it almost as if, you know, you were the biggest guy in town and your word was, was law and your word uh, was what happened. It seems to me, based on what I, the sense of of things that I that I get living here, that South Africans increasingly have something of an ambivalent view about America itself. Uh, they look at things like uh, multiple shooting uh, gun violence. They look at uh, race relations issues. They look at the the violent effort to take over the Capitol building, twenty twenty one, and they begin to say this is a country that is a 
not at peace with itself. B, seems to be falling apart. And C, uh, is no longer much of an exemplar to the rest of us. I mean, I, I realize that's a very large piece of cake to try to digest all at once, but how do you tackle that kind of, of res- uh, feeling or response? How, what does one do to, to address that, that set of views? Well, I, I think the, the, first, the first response I'd have is, is to, to maybe challenge a little bit the premise that things are harder today on that front than, than maybe in the past. Obviously, I'm a, gener- a diplomat of the current generation, but lo- looking back uh, historically, I, I think it's clear that in any democracy, whether that be a vibrant democracy with freedom of expression, open press, like the United States, like South Africa, you're, you're going to have uh, different opinions and as a result, challenging conversations that, that we need to be prepared for. So, so I don't know that it's any harder today than it, is ever, and than it ever has been. And also, I think looking back at, at U.S. history, there, there have always been many individuals who agree and or disagree or and disagree with the policies of a current administration so so having having parties in power having parties in opposition that that's certainly nothing new to us nor nor is having differences of opinion or, or differences of view i think when we talk about views of the united states uh i, I what i would also differentiate between is we have a formal government-to-government relationships around the world, but there are also tremendous non-government, unofficial relationships. And, and I, I think it's important to recognize the real connection between American culture, American people at the individual level or at the cultural level with, with people around the world. I mean, I think if you look at you know the obvious examples of, of U.S., movies, U.S. television, uh, U.S. music, the U.S. business community presence here. I know you had Angela Russell from the AmCham, American Chamber of Commerce, on a few weeks ago, and and she noted 600 U.S. businesses operate here in South Africa. So, so I think differences are to be, differences of opinion are to be expected and embraced, but I still think there is a lot of connection and commonality in things we care about culturally uh, between our countries. And I think also at, at a more fundamental level, the, the strong sense of connection and commitment in both of our countries to these foundational principles of democracy, advancement of human rights, protection of freedoms of expression, protection of, of fundamental liberties. I think these are, I think there's a lot more things that, that connect us than divide us. What we've been talking about, we're, we're, we're speaking with uh, today, we're delighted to have as our guest, our only guest actually today, lots of time to deal with things, uh, Vincent Sparrow, who's the American Consul General in Johannesburg, South Africa, comes to this country with a wealth of experience, both in the State Department in Washington, as well as in countries as varied as Tanzania and Mongolia. Uh, and I'll just mention a personal matter. He, he, he assembled a collection of fascinating pictures, everyday life in Mongolia. They're lovely. If you ever have a chance to see them as, as, a, as a guest in the, in the Consul General's residence, do look at them. They're lovely. And I, I fell in love with a couple and was all set to make him an offer, but I didn't think that would be appropriate. But let, let me get this down to the very concrete kind of level. You get up in the morning, you scan newspapers and from the U.S. and South Africa, Probably even before you you have uh, you get to, you get to the office, you've probably read a half dozen different news outlets, listened to television, radio, tried to figure out what the big issues are. 
Uh, you get into the office, you're, you're, handled, you're handed a collection of mail and telegram messages come to you now electronically on your computer screen. What's your day like? What do you, what do, you do during the day? What does, a, what does a diplomat actually do for the eight, nine, 10 hours a day at work? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, th I think as, as as you know, Brooks, I think that answer is going to be as varied, be as many answers to that questions as there are diplomats that that serve in our mission, because our our jobs really do vary. But for me, and I'll speak to that level, as as the consul general here, what I really love about this job is because I'm sitting at at a, a, a my 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 consular district covers three provinces: Hautang, Northwest, and Free State. So my colleagues in Pretoria are doing a lot of the day to day engagement with the national government here. I am really charged with uh, having a finger on the pulse or an understanding of what's happening on the ground level. So as I mentioned at the top, we do our, our main areas we work in from a broader policy perspective. We're working on the economic agenda, promoting economic development and job creation. We're deeply invested in the health sector, and we also do a tremendous amount of work in, in uh, the cultural sector. So for me, it's uh, I try to spend as much time as possible as close to the ground as possible, getting out into communities and, and seeing how our investments, how our business partnerships are playing out uh, with regard to creating jobs in Hautang or, or, or in Free State, how our health investments are benefiting the population uh, that, are, that are accessing clinics that we've maybe helped build in, in Soweto or Deep Sloot or, or Alexandra. Uh, and on the cultural side, trying to make those connections to, to find those South Africans who have this, this understanding of history and, and culture and challenges here that relate directly to our own uh, debates we're having in the United States so we can bring people together to have these important discussions we, we need to have, whether that's about business, whether that's about health, whether that's about how we, how we address diversity, equity, inclusion, all these kinds of issues. So trying to get as close to the ground as possible and, and see how our big picture policy conversation plays out in real life. We're speaking with Vincent Sparra, the American Consul General in Johannesburg, but first we'll get back to it, our conversation in just a second. This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And we are indeed back with The Deep Dive, and I am Brooke Spector, and I'm speaking with uh, Vincent Sparrow, the American Consul General in Johannesburg. We were talking just before we went to uh, various announcements uh, about trying to get a little more concrete in the nature of the interactions between uh, the US diplomatic establishment and normal people in South Africa. And, and Vincent was giving me a, a sign uh, that there were some examples he wanted to use and I was just about to ask for them. And so there we are, happy confluence of thought. Yeah, th thank you, Brooks. I wanna give one example on the economic side and then one example on, on the more cultural and, and social side. So uh, on the economic side, we talked before about the tools and resources we have. One, one of our really great tools through our US Agency for International Development is called a trade hub. And that's where we're trying to help South African companies export to the United States. So we're always looking for potential uh, operators here in South Africa to support. And, and there's several right here in Hautang. And about, about two months ago, I went out with our colleagues from USAID to this really wonderful um, carrot farm out in the western part of Hautang. 
and learned from that experience that they had connected about two years ago, maybe three years ago, pre-COVID, with our USA Trade Hub, which thanks to USAID, it enabled the operators of this, this Hauteng-based agricultural company to travel to the United States and attend a trade show, a food and beverage trade show. And that had led directly to this Hauteng-based company now exporting kosher vegetable juices to the United States. It's actually the largest exporter of, of kosher juice from South Africa to the United States. And that all came directly out of this direct connection. And because of this partnership, that, that company was also able to expand its workforce, hiring, of course, local South Africans, not an American uh, individual working for this company. So going out, so we have this policy and that, that's a wonderful investment on the part uh, of our government to, to support that kind of program. But going out in person to meet the company, to meet the operator, to learn how that, that small investment of sending them to the United States led to a much uh, bigger impact here on the ground in terms of jobs. That is now important information for us to then relay back to the, the head office as they make decisions about continuing this program or even expanding it moving forward. So it's, it's sort of an information loop of you know, funding, impact, assessment of impact, reporting that back, and that ideally will lead to more resources moving forward. But to me, the most important part is that that's helping the local community right here in Hauteng through job creation. So that's 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 maybe one example. Uh, the other example is, uh, I think, more on the policy side, but on the cultural piece. So I mentioned before, we're always trying to find partners here or, or important uh, contacts who can share with us perspectives about South African history and, and culture and try to connect them to the United States. My absolute favorite site in probably the whole country, certainly here, is Constitution Hill. I've been there probably 10 times already. I, I find the, the site so moving and so powerful. But one of the reasons I think I find it so moving and powerful, I, one of my first connections here, I had the honor and privilege to have a, a, a small group private tour of Constitution Hill by Albie Sachs, uh, who, who shared his experiences not only um, uh, throughout the liberation struggle, but also uh, in forming the Constitutional Court as one of the founding members of the Constitutional Court. And, and he shared these, these really important perspectives about South African thinking in the early 1990s. And, and really, uh, I think that highlighted for me how South Africa has this this powerful ability to look forward, but in a way that respects, honors, and, and ensures uh, understanding of all the things that came before. So sharing that message with my colleagues here in the US Mission to South Africa and more broadly in Washington, that has generated, I think, some very important and helpful conversations about how we address diversity, equity, and inclusion in both countries. Um, there are similarities between the United States and South Africa. There are differences, but we have a lot to learn from each other. And in a practical sense, uh, we share that information, and that led directly to the, the uh, visit of the Deputy Secretary of State. Deputy Secretary of State was here uh, last month, and she, in turn, also visited Constitution Hill to hear that story personally. So, so it's it's taking that conversation from from the very ground level. From, from a very thoughtful, influential, and important South African, and then being able to see that thread all the way to up, up to our deputy secretary to hear that message directly. So, so that's just a couple of examples of, of how our day-to-day -day feeds into the broader conversation at the policy level. 
I'm glad you mentioned Constitution Hill, Constitutional Court, Albi Sachs, and a tour. You, you saw the artwork that was displayed there, I'm sure. And that, that of course, as you may know, uh, was his innovation. He arm-twisted and, and begged, cajoled, and encouraged people to make contributions. And it is, uh, I don't for me at least, uh, when I looked at the collection, the the girl in the blue dress, the one picture, is an extraordinarily moving moment, which does, I think, embody the reason for the constitutional court, the reason for a constitution, the reason for the rule of law. And uh, there probably is, uh, are very few people in the country who are better placed to be able to make that statement than your unusual but extraordinarily effective tour guide, Albie Sachs. And yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, that is one of the few pieces in that gallery that does not rotate. I think they rotate some of the art, but I believe the, the girl in the blue dress is, is essentially a permanent exhibit I, for, for all the reasons you, you expounded on. Really, now, I can't imagine taking it off the wall and sit, putting a little sign up that says, the girl will be back soon, but pay, you know, come check again. Because it, is, it really is an enormously evocative piece of art, and uh, it, it, it says much more than, than it simply shows a young woman wearing a blue dress. Uh, if you haven't seen it, and we're talking to listeners now, if you have not seen it, go to the Constitutional Court, take the tour, look at the artwork, and be both amazed and proud of what has been done. I, I, that's... That's not a commercial message. It's not on my roster of things I have to say, but uh, now that we're talking about it, I think I should mention that. We've been, we're talking with uh, Vincent Sparrow, the American Consul General in Johannesburg, and you've, talked, you, you've given us a couple of concrete examples. One of the things that's crossed my mind over the years is a, a very large amount of cash has been paid over to various organizations in the health field uh, from the days of uh, PEPFAR, the HIV and AIDS program, and on into other areas. But I think most people in this country are not necessarily aware of the connection between the United States and themselves via those programs. Are there ways to make that connection uh, more visible, stronger, more, more deliberately um, impactful, or is that not necessary? Uh, well, I, I, might, I might separate the, the impact from the visibility question. I, I think, there, look, there, there, there's certainly uh, always more that can be done on, on the outreach and, and public diplomacy side, and it certainly we're committed to sharing the message of what we're doing on the health side. We're very proud of the tremendous investment we've made in the health sector. But what I will say, and this gets to the impact piece, we are very deliberate about making sure all of our health investment is done in partnership with the host government and the host country. So at the national level, we have deep connections with the National Department of Health all the way down to the local level. So, so our, our investment in health is not to set up our own separate parallel health system. It's to, it's to reinforce, support, and help build the health system of the country. So we are partnering in Hauteng, for example, we work very closely with the Hauteng Department of Health to bring resources that may expand clinics in communities or that will help train local healthcare workers. So I think the impact is seen every day 
uh, with more individuals that can be served in clinics, whether that's whether that's in HIV AIDS, whether that's in the, the COVID vaccines that we um, that we donated to South Africa, close to eight million vaccines that we contributed, or broader work on on the system itself. But but the impact is that the health system here is strengthened, not that we've built something separate. And, and U.S. branded. We're here for the people of South Africa, and I think that's how our investments, that, that, that's why we channel and, and make our investments the way we do. We're speaking with Vincent Sparrow, the American Consul General in Johannesburg. This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And we are back with the deep dive. Final words, perhaps, from Vincent Sperry. You sent me a note during the ad breaks about something called American Corners. You have about a minute or two to explain what these things are and why uh, we should pay attention. But we will have to, you know, be tough on the time on this one. I'm very sorry. Uh, th- thanks, Brooke. I-, I wanted to just mention this. So we, you know, we talked earlier about how to connect with us here at the consulate. Of course, we have our office in Santon, but we're also very proud of our American spaces that we have around the country. We have nine of them in South Africa. These are community-based centers that we we oversee and operate. We have one in uh, Victoria Yards in Lawrenceville near the Central Business District. And then we have our, our flagship Rosa Parks Library in Soweto. We've actually been in Soweto since 1976. Brooks, as you know very well, the, the direct connection with that center. So those are places where members of the community can access programming. And, and it's everything from, from book clubs to computer training to film screenings and, and any number of uh, activities happening there. And it's a very accessible way for the public to, to um, make connection with the U.S. mission here in South Africa. And those are free facilities. You don't have to pay a membership fee and you don't right. have to pay for the use of the materials, as I understand it. This has been a lot of fun for me because I'm out of that business for many years and it's, it's nice to get an update on what it is that it is doing now uh, as diplomats assigned to South Africa. We've been speaking with Vincent Spera, uh, the American Consul General, and uh, this is, I'm Brooke Spector, and this is The Deep Dive, and we will be back next week at the same time at nine o'clock with more individuals of importance, merit, influence, and interest. <laughs>